were surfing through another dimension, a dimension of podcasts and real-time streaming, of content both live and, quote-unquote, on tape. It covers Washington, Oregon, B.C., and even Idaho, existing between the summit of man's technology and the depths of his cave. There's the web banner up ahead. Your next stop, the Northwest Convergence Zone. There's a little more of Kent Morrill right there off of his uh, only solo album that he ever did. Yeah, I think I'm going to be buying one of those. Hard to Rock Alone. And the name of that track is Leave My Kitten Alone. And the only solo album he ever did, hmm. uh, which is amazing. He talked about doing some duets and, and other things. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting How many albums has he done? Uh, with the Whalers? With- I don't even know. That's, I have no idea. A check lot. with Buck on that one. Yeah, I, I will. <laughs> uh, thanks for putting me on the spot over there. Yeah. Uh, but the concert for Kent is May 4th, which is a Wednesday, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Temple Theater. Uh, the main room, the big room up top, that is located at 47 St. Helens Avenue. It is a free event, folks. Free event. First ones in the door, first ones to get a seat or get a place, are you're in. Once it's full, that's it. They, and so I recommend you get there. I think the doors are opening at like six. I think that's what, yeah. That's and what I would recommend said. you get there early and because it's going to be packed. It's going to be full. There's going to be a, a slide and a multimedia presentation. Lot There's going to be great bands, members of great bands yes. coming there. People we haven't even been told who's going to be there yet. We were told a little bit, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of Northwest legendary bands uh, figures who will be there and who will be performing and it is going to be an amazing show there's also a killer show that's coming up at the peabody waldorf and soda um, club soda which is at 1117 broadway here in tacoma uh elif ben union missionary position and special guest moon juice that's saturday april 30th and it's seven bucks to get in the door. That's a great bill right there. I haven't been to Club Soda. I know Wonder Boy was down there. Is it? Is it pretty big? It's pretty nice. Yeah, hundred people or so. So, and I think this one's going to fill up. So, you might want to jet down there for that one. Want to remind you that this Thursday. That's right. This Thursday. That's that's the twenty eighth. At the Tacoma Comedy Club, the Northwest Convergence Zone, and NWCZ Radio, we're having our night of fun and laughter, and we want you to be there. It's only 10 bucks to get in, and if that's going to stop you from coming, just show up. Uh, we'll, we'll work with you. Um, but, you know, the, the entertainers need to be paid. But trust me, if you can't come up with the 10 bucks, show up, talk to us. We'll work with you. We have 
uh, Adam Norwest is on the bill. We have Jeremy Whitman and we have Susan Jones. And then of course the great band, the fun police. It's going to be a really fun night. It's going to be good. That's, that's what we want it to be. We want it to be uh, a jump start to your weekend. We're going to have a good time. We're all going to be there. Our entire Northwest Convergence Zone um, staff. And uh, we just want to, we want to have a good time with you guys. So hopefully you'll be down there. That's 933 Market Street. And we all had to pay 30 bucks to get in each. (laughs) That's what I told you. But anyway, (laughs) all right. So, uh, you know, again, I hope you guys had a good Easter weekend. And we're also, we were able to go out and support the local scene at the same time. Get out there, support the local scene, go to your local music venue or comedy venue. A lot of these acts are amazing and they're working hard on the weekend. So you don't have to, and you can be entertained. And for 10 bucks and under, you can get into almost any show around town with a lot of great local talent. You don't have to wait for you two to come into town or, you know, whoever and pay 30, 50, 80, 100 bucks. There's lots of talent here. And, and they're, they're, like I said, they're working hard for you guys. And that's any town, too. Yeah, any, any, wherever you're wherever listening. You're, you're listening in Canada. You're listening in across the U.S., wherever. Zimbabwe, I'm sure they have something cool going on there. What? Zimbabwe. I'm sure they have something cool. <laughs> Zimbabwe. Okay, well, we'll go and check that scene out here one of these days. All right, we'll report back. All right, well, one of uh, we're, we're kind of going back into the, the, the files of some of the interviews we did, and we wanted to bring this one to you because this is another great band who said that they were influenced greatly by the Whalers and the Ventures and a lot and Little Bill and a lot of the uh, legendary bands out of the Northwest. They're legends in their own right, and they put on a fabulous show. They've been around a long time. We're going to uh, play for you an interview we did with the Sonics right here. All right, everybody. Big D here with you, and this is a very a special occasion for us. I am talking with Freddie, Rob, Larry, Ricky, and Jerry. Together, they make up the Tacoma legendary band, the Sonics, and this is a big deal for us. Guys, thank you so much, and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for thank being you. here. It's good to have you guys in. Now, uh, we're, we brought podcast from Tacoma and I know you guys, this, the band started in Tacoma. Let's go back to the year 1960, which I believe is basically the earliest inception that, that I could find as the Sonics were kind of gathering and, and getting together and take us back to Tacoma 1960, what it was like, what you guys were doing and, and how the Sonics sort of started to find each other. Um, musically anyway, the, I lived in, uh, in, uh, Lakewood in Tacoma, which is near, you know, the Air Force base in Fort Lewis at that time. Um, hence the word Sonics, I guess. <laughs> I started playing when I heard, uh, my, my uncle Ray play electric guitar once, and I was about 13 to 14 years old and, um, uh, got together with a guy, uh, who had a snare drum and that was it. So it was a snare drum and guitar, um, and we formed a band called the Sonics at that time, and we brought in a stand-up bass player and another guitar player. And and, and, you're, and, and what was the early sound? Because was, your, first, your first 45 didn't come out until 64. Right. So that early sound, who were you drawing from, or were, were you trying to attempt we a certain sound? We were mostly, it's in fact, it was all instrumental. Everything from The Ventures to Dwayne Eddy, you know, whoever was playing instrumental rock tunes at the time. Right. That's what we were we were playing. 
I was uh, playing clarinet in a high school band, a high school orchestra. I played clarinet all the way from the third grade up up to high school. And uh, one afternoon, I had to stay after school and do something, so I went by the music room, and it was all empty, and there was a stand-up piano down there. And there was a, a, a guy down there playing piano, and he was playing rock and roll music. I'd never, I always liked it, but I'd never gotten to play it. And, and I went down and, and talked to him, and he was playing piano, and uh, I said, God, that's really pretty neat. There must be a saxophone around here someplace. So I pulled a sax. I'd never played one. I pulled a sax up, some other kids, put it together, and he and I were playing rock and roll music, and we were just having a great time. And the uh, band teacher came out, and he said a famous quote. He said, hey, you guys, quit stepping on that cat's tail. <laughs> and so the piano player and I went over to his house and kept playing, and that's the day I met Jerry Rosley. And, and he and I played in little bands uh, just like Larry was talking about from that point on, just got all possessed by rock and roll music and wanted to play it all the time. And so what was the, what was the scene in Tacoma? Um, you know, was it, was music accepted at the time? Was it hard to find places to play? Uh, I know the Ventures and the Whalers and those guys were, you know, were playing around and, and, it, but really Tacoma music, as far as rock and roll, you guys were part of the, this entire, birth of it the inception of it and was it easy to go out and see other bands and when you guys decided to finally play a place was it easy to find places to play not in 1960 there were bands all over the place there were there were guys playing in in garages the delgados jerry miller we grew up with he he was playing in in, in his grandmother's house um Jerry and I were in some finky band. I don't even remember what it was, but we we were so excited because our first show was at a Lutheran church, and we knew about four songs, one of which was Holly Gully. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we played the four songs, you know, and they said, what do you want to do now? Oh, let's do Holly Gully again. Okay, Holly. And so we played the Holly Gully about ten times. But that was a gig. That was a first gig, and that was real impressive didn't really start happening in Tacoma until little Bill started coming on the scene and then the whalers started uh, started coming on the scene and we went to see those guys whalers were playing before we were and we used to go see them and watch them and, and but there was actually some places to play before uh, the whalers and stuff like that it would be like the Lake City Teen Club St. Mary's Church in the big the, the ballroom they had there. There was a couple of teen clubs and school dances. Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times. A lot of times it was we'll let you guys play, you know, and you go, oh god, we can play, and they wouldn't pay anything. Right. Well, and it's not not much has changed in that on that front. So, uh, 1963, I believe, is when you had what is now known up as the classic Sonic lineup, the original lineup, 63. And uh, was it 63 really? around that time? Because 64 was when your first single came out. Is it? So I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. According to according to my sources. <laughs> now, when did when did Buck Ornsby first start catting around and scouting you guys out? Because he's been your longtime manager, obviously with the Whalers, and I, I think a big um, you know driving force in getting you guys out there. <laughs> just, just dead silence. Well, I, Buck and Kent Morrow were running Etiquette Records at the time, and um, 
that's obviously where the witch came from. But in those days, nobody was managing us. We didn't have them. Actually, Buck started actually managing us about three years ago when we, when we started this this iteration. But then we were just, actually, Larry's brother, Andy, was uh, he was the phone contact, and he was the one that would call us and say where we were playing and so forth. We didn't have a quote-unquote manager at that time. <clears throat> so let's talk about The Witch. The, uh 1964, 65, uh, most things that are going on on the radio is like, you know, bubblegum pop, a lot of, uh, you know, sunny, sunny, happy, happy tunes. Mm -hmm. And here come the Sonics out of Tacoma with this song, The Witch. And uh, Jerry with the, you know, the screaming Jay Hawkins type vocals and the pounding drums. And it was something that a lot of, the sound was something that a lot of, most people had never heard. And then you're singing about a witch. What was the reception of that at the time? And were you worried putting that out there that mm, we might get labeled as like, you know, a weird band or some off the wall band? I don't think we thought that way. I, I, I don't I don't think we were worried about what the lyrics were. It's just were. what we played. Yeah. I mean, that's how we that's how we played and we got together. It just kind of worked out that way. No discussion about, you know, we're gonna pound hard on this and Everybody just had a sense that that's how to do it. And as far as whether it was acceptable or not, I don't think any of us gave that a thought either. It was acceptable to us. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I don't. We didn't. We didn't think about it. Didn't you say that the, the witch started out as like a, a, dance. a dance? Yeah, do the witch. Yeah, do the witch. <laughs> whatever okay, let's that talk is. Talk about your vocals. Your vocal styles, which um, before the witch came out, I think the only way people could have heard. That sort of screaming, uh, very emotional style, uh, you know, flailing around was what they called back then. They called you know black music, uh, and, and it wasn't readily available, really, especially up in the northwest. And so, what was what was your influence? And then you know, how did you decide, or at what point did you decide I'm not going to croon and I'm not going to do what a lot of these guys are doing now, and I'm just going to let lay it out there. When did I decide that? Yeah, well, like when you joined the band and when you guys got together, or were you doing this all along? You said, "Follow me." No, I just liked um, I liked people that were over the top. You know, like when I saw Jerry Lee Lewis, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I mean, and I just thought that's what it is to me. That's real rock and roll. You know, just giving everything and James Brown and and uh, Wilson Pickett and Little Richard and you know, a bunch of people like that. I, and, and well, Elvis, of course, he was doing something nobody'd done, and I—that's I, the way I—I I wanted to do it too. You know. Well, it was very, it was Just, very unique style at the time. I mean, it still is. And if you go back and you listen, especially to some, you know, the early Sonics, just that that hard drive, that that pound of the drums, and then your, you know. It was screaming vocals, but it, they were understandable lyrics, and I think that's where a lot of bands miss it these days. Mm -hmm. They like to scream, but they're inaudible. You don't know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. It seemed to me you were, you felt your music. You were, you know, putting it out there, but you wanted people to understand what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Well, he knew how to phrase absolutely, real well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about uh, the recording style. Uh, there's rumors uh, that you know when you guys were recording, you would tear out like the sound panels, uh, and put one mic over your drums and just hit it as hard as you could to pick it up. 
what what was what was that like when you went into the recording studio back in the '60s and you're recording all the you know uh, Strict Nine and all all these songs? What was what was going through your mind? Were you looking for a unique sound? Yeah, or? I think the biggest difficulty was trying to was recording the guitar because we wanted this distortion, hopefully natural tube distortion, which generally means turn it on ten, mm-hmm. unless your knob goes to twelve. Um, and that was difficult because then the, the the meter would peg and the engineer would get excited about distortion, which is what we wanted. Um, and there was we were able to work that out locally in some of the studios where they could they were able to figure out a way where we could get a distorted guitar, uh, but it'd be acceptable to them on an engineering standpoint. When we went to Hollywood to uh, record an album. They weren't as accepting on that, so we got this real rinky-dink sound. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about the album uh, Introducing the Sonics. I, I read yeah. a few quotes here and there, and I couldn't find out who it was attributed to. Uh, one of Somebody apparently in this group said it was the worst garbage. Oh, it is. And, and we, it, it just weren't satisfied with it. Did you? I mean, because that had to have been, at, at the beginning, sort of a high note. Man, we're going to Hollywood. You know, we, we're going down to record... A record, and this is big deal. And and then the end result. What what was the? Well, it's partly our fault for for knowing that we had a recording session coming up and not preparing for it, which we have a history of doing. Wait until the last minute and then <laughs> say, well, well, now what are we gonna do? So we went down there, and some of the songs we didn't even realize where we could re, would record until we were actually recording them, and then we discovered we couldn't get the sound we wanted there. So. I think when we left, we thought we just left it on a cutting room floor, and it was a failure, only to hear it later uh, from a, a different label. And it wasn't just Hollywood. It was Gold Star Studios, Larry Levine, uh, um, yeah, Beach they, Boys, and, yeah. and the Mamas Tijuana and the Papas. Brass. Tijuana Brass just left the studio, and we came in and laid an egg. It was it was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but but what, Larry was, what Larry was saying is, what Larry is saying is absolutely right, though, because we would try to do something and and the engineer who's a famous nationally famous engineer said no 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 oh god you can't do that turn that stuff down so we wound up you know yeah we'll fix it on our end later yeah we'll fix yeah, it in right. the mix that was a famous we'll lie yeah we'll, we'll right. fix it in the mix well, it goes right. to show you how far ahead of their time they really were I oh mean, absolutely here they were right. in the in the middle middle of the hottest marketplace in the world recording marketplace in the world and what they the way they wanted to hear it the way they wanted not to play the it, the, the not the way they could accept. No, they yeah, well, I have. A, they didn't get it. I have a list here. We'll get to in a few minutes about bands that have attributed uh, a lot of their sound to you guys that are, you know, big, big bands, <coughs> big stars these days. Let's talk about the 1960, roughly 66 through 68 is when you kind of uh, wound it down the original lineup and sort of went separate. What was going on in 66 to 68? The, was that tumultuous? Or was it just a friendly parting? Or take take us back to that time. What was going on to, with the band? Well, I think it was it, it, it was individual kinds of things. It was the the state of the, the state of the country at the time. Vietnam I, War. The Vietnam War was going on, and I got caught up in that and left. And and uh, Larry and Jerry were doing other things. And Andy, who at the time, um, as I said, was you know, answering the phones for us, sold the name to somebody else that, uh, you know, uh, 
played a little bit different kind of music. They were called the Sonics, but they didn't play the stuff that we did. Yeah, so yeah, I, just, didn't, yeah I didn't know that. So somebody actually bought the name for a while? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was really sold or not, but they were permitted to use the name. Jim, right. Jim you sold them the band truck, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, the bogan horns yeah. and the band yeah. truck. Yeah. Right. And did, and, but when you all, when this was going on, because it was a tumultuous time just in our nation in general, and a lot of things were going down. And so when you basically all parted, did, did you really feel that was it? Yeah. Yeah, probably so. I mean, I, I had to you know, go in the Air Force to avoid going, you know, as a foot traffic into Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And just like Robin into the uh, military, so we didn't have no choice anyway. We couldn't come back and play if we wanted to. Right. And then who, who, or what was the catalyst later? Because uh, in 1972 you got together and played the Paramount. What was the catalyst behind that? And who who was the, who, who made the call? Gosh, was that maybe it was Buck? I don't know. I'm not sure who who got that. Was it Pat O'Day? Did he? I don't recall. I don't recall how that was put together. It was, Pat O'Day was the uh, MC, the MC of that uh-huh. thing. Who else was on that bill? Oh, I think the Whalers, Whalers were. Wasn't uh, Kingsman? No. Merrill Lee, was Merrill Lee on there? I can't remember. I don't remember. So it was like a, re- like a reunion show of a lot of the original yeah. Yeah. Tacoma, Seattle bands. Yeah. And somebody made the contact. You're like, sure, we'll play. And you guys came from all different areas. What Did you... When you got on stage that night, did you feel it again? Were you like, yeah, we should we should do this? Or was it like, oh, this is fun for one night and off we go? Yeah. Yeah, it was more <laughs> like that. It was really fun. It was really a fun night. Was that at the Paramount? Was that yeah. where we did it? Yeah. Was the Kingsman was... on that show? I don't think so. But I don't yeah, recall. because I was in the Kingsman at that time, and I yeah. can't remember playing. I know Fred show. Zufelt was there playing drums, so whatever band he was that with. That was a surprise package or American Eagle or something. Big I think maybe. we I think we played maybe four songs, three. I think it was three, three. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it now was, this is with the revamped Sonics. This is we added a couple of different. No, no, no. The originals. It was the five so originals. It was it was, it was right. the 2007 show, uh, or that, that was the revamp. That yeah. was the revamped Sonics. Correct. Yeah, that was with Ricky and Donnie Wilhelm. Right. And right. so, what was the cat? Was there? There was just this gap again. Yeah, about forty-year gap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like gap. We don't like to talk about how long a gap, but yeah, there was a gap there. There was a promoter from uh, New York that called, probably early in the, maybe two thousand two, two thousand. Yeah, what is that like now? for you guys? You guys, you know, you've been out for a while. You're doing your thing, and all of a sudden you get this call. You're like, somebody's still interested. Well, we were told that you know years before, anyway, in the eighties, even that we could tour Europe and stuff if we wanted to. I don't know that we all believed it at the time. Mm-hmm. Plus, our lives were just, you know, we weren't sure. situated for that. It was only when this guy from New York called, and um, he called in about, I don't know, 2004, 2002, somewhere in there. We actually got together to consider, do we want to reform again? Uh, we rented a hall, played one day, and then it's kind of faded. I don't think we even made a decision. We just faded away again. Uh, and then they called in... Uh, 2007 and asked if we'd do it and uh, I talked to Jerry and Rob and asked if they wanted to try it we decided we'd get together and uh, go through it see if we could put the things back together again and uh, we would I said we would we would tell the promoter I think it was by October somewhere in October whether it'd be a, uh, a yes or a no and we got together and uh, 
was able to call him in October and say, "Yeah, we'll do it." And that was that was the Brooklyn show. Yeah. Yeah. And then can you do you remember what happened on uh, Friday and Sunday, March twenty first and twenty third, two thousand eight? Does that ring a bell? Uh, London, London. First time you guys yeah. ever played in London. What yeah. was that? What was that like to little a band from Tacoma who has you know started incredible stopped, started all of a sudden back together. Uh, three of the original members added a couple going over to London. What was that feeling like? It was fantastic. It was just like Ricky said. It was incredible. Walk out on that stage at this place called the Forum. The place was jam packed. Big. You know, people uh, looking up at a balcony full of people, and it was and, uh, awesome. Felt like it was floating. just great. It was, it was. And when they when they announced you, the crowd knew that they oh, they yeah. were expecting oh, yeah. you. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Like they tapped oh, yeah. you guys well, on. It's, it's, no, it's, 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 we draw a unique audience. You know, I think different than most groups that are forty years, forty year history. <laughs> we have two two subsets. One are really noticeable in London. Up in the balcony, you could count. You know the number of bald heads that walked up and and sat in the top. <laughs> so you the have so you have the guys that were around when we were around. Right, right, right. And then uh, down below, standing and shaking their heads and everything, were people in their twenty, you know, the twenties age. So we, when we do our tours of Europe now, most of our audiences are maybe in the twenties, maybe low thirties. The thing that's the thing that was amazing then and still amazes us. And we're going back to Europe here in about ten days for about the fifth time we've been over there. Initially, when we first started going over there, we couldn't figure out how all those uh, European kids knew the words to all our songs. And we'd start, Jerry would start one of the songs from the 60s, and they'd all be singing along. Be a thousand people there singing Strychnine or Psycho or something. We, we thought that was really cool that not only did they know who we were, but they were so familiar with us, they knew the words to all the songs. We thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, Jerry, how, how does that feel? You step up on stage. You're, you're announced. You step up on stage. Uh, was is there a little apprehension at first? Uh, because it's been all these years. You're finally in London, and you know they've seen the covers of the albums. And you guys, you know, we obviously age, and so you walk up there. You're like, can I lay this? Or were you completely comfortable? And you're like, I'm going to knock these guys out. No, I wasn't comfortable. I was scared. Were you? Yeah, yeah, because a whole different country, never been in, you know, and 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 we're all older. And all they've ever seen of us is pictures when we were teenagers and right. had no wrinkles. Pretty <laughs> it took us a while to get Jerry to take at off what, his burka. <laughs> and at what point in the show did you, could you feel the, the love and the energy from the audience to where you, just, you started to ride that wave? Pretty much right away, I think. You could just yeah. tell they, they liked it. And after the first song, wah, you know, it mm -hmm. just... Yeah, that was a good feeling. Oh, thank God! You know, instead, we are not. They're not throwing nothing at us. They're saying, "Yeah." Now, speaking right. of myself, I, my impression was: I mean, uh, I, my feet didn't even touch the ground walking out to get behind the drums. It was just, it was just so much. And it, was, it was overwhelming. It was wonderful. You know, the sound check at three o'clock in the afternoon is supposed to be a closed set. Mm -hmm. There was probably a hundred people in front of the stage standing <clears> there <throat> waiting for us to do the sound check. And we're doing what you're doing, a sound check. And we finally get everything fairly balanced. And we try part of a song. And we, we say, okay, that's pretty good. And we'll stop. And they're all down there cheering and screaming in, in the sound check for half of a song. And then we started figuring, hey, wait a minute. This might turn out to be a good deal. And did you ever have that sort of reception or that feeling in the U.S.? 
Well, Brooklyn was that way. Brooklyn was yeah. that way. And there were people from all over the world there, which was kind yeah. of shocking. Yes. And what do you, so my, my, I'm curious about this, and, and I hope you'll be candid and honest. What, what are your thoughts about the Northwest? Uh, you're from here, and you've gone on to play these great shows. I mean, I can list off. You've been to Barcelona, Belgium, Norway. Ex- I mean, you've been all over in Europe getting big responses. And uh, how do you feel about Tacoma? How do you feel about the Northwest, the way they've treated you? Or, you know, do you feel good about it? Or do you feel like they've kind of ignored you? How do you feel? I can say, Ricky. honestly, I, I'm getting tired. Of when people actually, uh, yeah, I'm playing, they ask me what I'm doing lately. Uh, I play with the, and I play with the Sonics. Uh, primarily, that's the pr- primary thing I'm doing. And they look at me like, you don't look like a basketball player. <laughs> I swear to God. Kind of short. I swear to God. I mean, that's, but, you know, if I say that in, in Austin, Texas or L.A., they'll, they'll get it. Chances are. Sure. But up here, yeah, not, not a lot. It's, uh, and, and several of you are, are from Tacoma, Lakewood and so forth. Uh, do, do you, you feel like there's a time you guys want to go back and do? Try to do a big show at I don't know like the, the temple or pack out Cheney Stadium or, like or New you, Year's in Olympia. You have New Year's in Olympia, and that is the yeah. South Sound. But I know you guys. Uh, your website says it uh, that you're from Tacoma. You you know almost everything I read. It's a, t- a Tacoma band, the Sonics, and I'm j- I'm just curious. It seems like to it seems to us as a show, and this is just I'm speaking that Tacoma loves to ignore their celebrities, and I've just. I, whether it be actors, uh, pro sports or bands or so forth. And, uh, we're on the try, we're on the cusp of trying to change that. But I'm just curious, you guys and like the whalers and the ventures who are obviously rock and roll hall of fame. I mean, these are big accomplishments and there's no, there's no like sonic drive or like sonic hall. There's no venture, uh, you know, Drive or, or any, nothing's named to. There's no statue of like Ron Say or any of these guys who have came from Tacoma. And do you do you still have a soft spot and a and a place in your heart for the South? I think South? there's affection yeah. by Tacoma for the bands mentioned. Oh sure, I, I would agree with I that think too. That there's a there we would play there if somebody was to put something together that would work. You know, right. That just hasn't been presented. But there's no lack of affection on our part for Tacoma either. We always say we're from Tacoma. Right. Oh, we appreciate that because as Tacoma kids, it make it, it, that gives us something to hang our hat on. You know, we're blue collar town. And, yeah. Uh, we're the you know, we're the stepson of Seattle. You know. We get a lot of nice comments on our Facebook page from people in Tacoma, uh, as well as you know everywhere else around here. But yeah, I think there's no lack of affection on the band's part for Tacoma. Yeah, I certainly don't feel like there's any slight by Tacoma. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, and and uh, let me clarify. I'm not talking about the Tacoma people. You know, I, I'm talking about like the powers that be in oh, Tacoma. Oh, yeah. I think the Tacoma people all love. The, I know they all love the songs. They tell us so. I'm talking about, you know, like the city council and, and just down through the ages, it seems to us that they have always seemed to just go, oh, yeah, that's nice. They're from here, but they don't really reach out. And the you know. um, when the song, I mean, when the Whalers and Ventures did a first album here a year or so ago called Two Car Garage. Yes. And um, at the debut or whatever you want to call it, the release of the um, CD, the, the, CD the, uh, the mayor of Tacoma. 
showed up in Seattle for for that uh, event. I, I was very, very impressed by that. Very good. Uh, well, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah, it's good I'm man. glad you guys feel that way. That's good. Yeah, personally, I don't expect it. I wouldn't expect you know, the city or uh, anybody representing the city to really care much. Uh, well, I, I think we should all care a lot because you guys have done a lot for Tacoma. And uh, like I say, just as kids growing up in Tacoma, people who are from Tacoma, uh, we have a lot of pride in you guys. And you, and it's something that when somebody says you're from Tacoma and you can rattle off, oh, you know, the Sonics, Ventures, Whalers. But, yeah. Oh, gives some credibility. And you guys have brought that yeah. to us. Sort of like Liverpool, London. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's the way we look at it. Too. <clears throat> it, is, it is. Well, let me go to, I want to, I'm going to name some bands here. The Hives, The Cramps, The White Stripes, The Fuzz Tones, <clears throat> Kurt Cobain, Mud Honey, and, and, and there's the list goes on. These are all bands that have had good commercial success who at, in some form or another are at some point pointed to the Sonics as in major influence, big in, being influential in driving them. How does that make you feel to have other bands who have – had success to point to you guys and say that is what prompted me oh it's real nice obviously it's it's a warm feeling jack white has been real real kind to us he said a lot of uh, real nice things and uh, you, you can't help but be uh, thankful for that the hives have been special friends yeah, we've actually become friends with the Hives, and uh, when we played Stockholm, we brought three of them out on stage with us and did the encore with them. So, and the Fuzz Tones, Rudy Petrudi. Yeah, and we did a thing in Germany with the Fuzz Tones. We we met those guys actually in uh, New York when we did. They, Rudy and a couple of the other guys came over, and we met them there. And later on, we wound up playing in Germany with them. I personally sent all of them letters asking them for money. Nothing yet. Those record contracts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Earlier. <laughs> they probably owe them money. Now, Freddie and Ricky, you guys are uh, the the new guys in the group. If you want to put young it that young way. guys, the, yeah, the young guys in the group. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about joining Sonics and uh, what that means to you, and if you, if you know how you how you feel about uh, being part of this. What I call something very special. Careful what you say, you guys. Well, Ricky. Yeah. Well, for me, um, when I was asked to come in uh, prior to the New York engagement, you know, for the reuniting of the band, um, I was, uh, you know, happy, happy, flattered to do it. And then uh, sat down at first rehearsal and started playing and was like coming back home. You know, I mean, this was the stuff I grew up I mean, I remember hearing the witch for the first time as a kid and, and that drum, snare drum driven, uh, stuff. It was like, um, un, unlike anything else, you know, and it made a big impression on me. And I played all that stuff, you know, in, in my early years, a few years behind them, uh, age wise. And, um, and so to get the chance to sit down all these many years later after having gone through the whole, development period and uh, uh, you know i i outgrew all the northwest music and blah 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 you know and and uh, musically developed in so many different ways uh to the point where i'm coming back to playing what i initially was exposed to rock and roll wise i was ready to play it then uh, and i realized uh, how 
well strong and how important it and how good it it was. I didn't get it before, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> so it, it's been a, a lot of fun for me. Well, for me, yeah, I'm from the eastern side of the state, so I'm from Spokane, and I started playing with 13, 14 years old in Spokane and a couple of different bands, and I got picked up by the Liverpool Five, which was a British band that had settled here in the 60s, and so I joined them for two or three years and uh, went down to California, lived there, got a call from a fellow from Spokane, Tony Winslow, that had me come back up to Seattle put together a group called the Northwest Rock and Roll Band, which was members of the Kingsmen. Yes. And then I went into that band, the Kingsmen, for a couple of years, actually four years, all told. And had a band with Larry and Andy in the late 70s and early 80s called Freddie and the Screamers. Andy and Larry and one of the Dynamics, Ron Woods and Barry Curtis of the Kingsmen. So I knew the boys. I knew Larry and, and Andy. And it was just a, a given at some point when the Sonics got back together. I, I didn't go with them at first because both of my parents had passed away when they, they got together with Donnie. So I sort of bowed out, and then I got a call about a year later from Larry saying, hey, you want to join the band? I go, whoopee, all right. Damn it, Freddie, I, get over here. <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing them when I was a kid, and the, fr the first impression was, God, they're from the Northwest. All right. You know, and it was the close. I was a big, you know, British. Mm -hmm. I love the kinks. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's, this is the, you know, this is the American, even more equivalent than the kinks. They were more attack than the kinks were even. Yes. So, yeah, I'm just elated. Yeah, it's interesting how a lot of uh, comparisons that came down when you first started was basically to the kinks or, you know, like the kinks. And, and there are some similarities, but... You were definitely a harder driving yeah, band exactly. at the time than the Kings. Yeah. If I might add one thing, <clears throat> as a member of the Whalers, I had been for some time. Um, the talk was always, um, you know, should the Sonics, if the Sonics could get back together again, you know, uh, what a, what a fantastic thing it would be. And and it was pretty much understood and accepted that it just wasn't going to happen. You know, for whatever reason, it just wasn't going to happen. It was such a frustrating thing for all concerned within and without the band all around the realms is to know that the songs just weren't it just the magic just wasn't going to take place again and then when it when it did it really was wow and now you have a uh, a brand new ep cd coming mm -hmm. out titled eight and i know you guys uh we're gonna have to wrap this up because i don't want to take your whole night it's been very, very gracious of you guys to allow us in here. You're heading to Greece and Italy. Tell us about the new CD and about your trip over to Greece and then coming back to play the Capitol Theater on the 31st of December, New Year's Eve. Uh, but tell us about the CD and, and about the trip that you're about to embark on. Well, the CD has four studio cuts that we did with Jack Andino as a producer. They're all originals, and then uh, along with that, there's four or six live cuts from various places around Europe where the crowd was into it, and they're uh, real high-energy rockers um, from the 60s. So there's the four brand-new originals, and then there's uh, those cuts from Europe. And I, also, I believe a real nice poster goes along with it, a photo montage of the Sonics uh, 
in every capacity. So it's a very cool package. And, yeah. And where can people? I, I assume they can get it uh, online off your website. And- That's going to be going to be happening. And Buck is telling us that uh, it's going to start being uh, being made available to local record stores. Probably oh, by the end Silver of the month. Great, so, yeah, well, hopefully in Tacoma, like Buzzard Records right. and uh, yeah, Rocket I think, Records and so mm-hmm. forth. Like yeah, that. yeah, I think all of those. Great. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to that. It's titled 8, and then you're uh, heading to Greece and Italy, like I said, and then you're coming back, and everybody needs to head down to the Capitol Theater in Olympia on December 31st. You can get your tickets on brownpapertickets.com. One last question, and we'll wrap it up, and I'll start over here with Jerry. Where are the Sonics going from here? What what what's the future hold for the Sonics? Most of us are going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, what do you see? What's happening? What what what's the future? Where are the Sonics headed? Well, um, if if it means going to hell to play the Sonics music, I'll go there. Um, you know, I just follow these boys wherever they want to go. Larry? Well, I think part of that will be how people respond to the new songs, whether they like the stuff or not. Rob? Yeah, I absolutely I agree with, with Larry. I, I would say one further thing, it, honestly, in terms of what our goals are, is that uh, we have a, a, a real high profile in Europe. We're well-known there. We're well-known all over Europe. We're going to be going to Japan this spring, and, and hopefully that's going to uh, get our get our profile a little bigger over in that part of the world. What we really want to do, starting with this CD, is raise our profile in the United States. Mm. We'd like to play some of the big festivals here in the U.S., and we'd like to play in uh, some of the major markets. Get some well. national TV. Yeah, exactly. I don't think... I. Don't see a. I don't see how that could be a problem, Freddie. I just want to play on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think all of those are attainable. And uh, just on a side note, we got to get you guys back to Tacoma for uh, for a show. Uh, we would love to see you guys there. Thank you so much for allowing us this time. We're big, huge Sonic fans, and we're excited about the new CD. And we're going to be pushing it on our uh, Facebook and on our webpage. And everybody look for it. The Sonics CD is 8. Show the 31st Capitol Theater in Olympia. Thank you, everybody, so much. (laughs) 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 Hey, South Sounders, looking for something to do? Check out the Tacoma Comedy Club. Hey, so for the Tacoma Comedy Club this week, we have Wednesday night open mic. And not to be missed, the Thursday night Northwest Convergence Zone night for fun and laughs you got to come out for that there's only ten dollars i'm going to be hosting it and we're going to have susan jones headlining it adam norwest and jeremy whitman followed up by the fun police so you can't get more uh, entertainment than that in all in one night friday and saturday night at 8 p.m and 10 30 p.m for 15 dollars you'll get to see slade ham so come on out for some great shows this week tacoma comedy club located at 933 south market or give them a call at 253-282-7203 Testing, one, two, three, okay. We're going for number two here in the last couple days. This is TK Kaznick for the Northwest Convergence Zone welcoming Don K to the mat here today. Hey, Don, say hi. Hey. That's what you got? Well, what do you want me to say? Hey. Hey. Oh, really, there you go. So, Don, 
there's some interesting things. Normally I get somebody who's been a comedian a long time, and you haven't been a comedian a long time, so we're going to talk about what it's like to start out. It sucks. It sucks, does it? <laughs> so what do you do for a living? I'm a chemical dependency professional, or drug and alcohol counselor. How long have you been doing that? Uh, about four years now. What did you do before that? I went to college. Uh, you sure that's all you did? Well, that's all I want to admit to. Oh, okay, because earlier you told me you were a loser, and I don't know about the definition of loser, but do you think you've uh, turned your life around? I think so. What do you think helped you do that? Um, I think getting focused and getting more goal-oriented. So you own your own business, right? I do. What's that called? South County Addiction Treatment Services. And what do you guys do? I specialize in drug and alcohol treatment, uh, mostly DUI cases, um, a lot of court probation, parole type stuff. I bet that gives you a lot of material. Yes. <laughs> What's the funniest thing that's happened to you? No names. I won't name any names. I had a guy who asked me actually if you can test positive for cocaine by giving a girl oral sex who is high on cocaine. The answer is no, you can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> In a world where I have to worry about that, no thank you. <laughs> something I just found out about you and something that we do here at the Northwest Convergence Zone is a lot of music. And I didn't know that you were into music. Yes, I play guitar and bass both. Oh yeah? Do you still do that? Um, I play a little bit. Um, fill in here and there when I have time. I recently just left the band that I was with. What was, what was the name of the band? Uh, Planted. And why'd you leave them? Because I wanted to focus more on my comedy. Now, you keep saying focus on comedy. Tell us a little bit about that because maybe people don't understand what it is we're focusing on all day. Um, writing, coming up with new original ideas, trying to quote unquote pimp myself, get stage time anywhere I can. You've been pimping yourself, huh? I've been pimping myself. So you're a comedic man whore? Yes. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so I noticed on your Facebook page that you said you were Christian and proud. Yes. Even in comedy? Um. That tells us all. Yeah. You said, um. <laughs> so, when you were doing, uh, when you were in a band, what kind of music did you do? We played classic rock. A lot of Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Beatles. What's your favorite all-time song? My favorite all-time song. Wow, that's a good question. Your favorite all-time song and your favorite one to play. Um, <clears throat> wow, I don't know. Probably my favorite one to play when I was with Planted was probably Jumpin' Jack Flash by The Stones. As far as my favorite song of all time, really, I don't have one. I, I, there's so many, I can't really pick just one. What genres do you like? How about that? Um, classic rock, punk rock, metal, blues, jazz, pretty much you name it, I like it. Awesome. Then why do you torture me with country whenever I call you? That's not country. Stupid caller tunes.
That's like, um, that's a Christian band, I believe, I have on there now. Christian country pop? <laughs> Something like that. Oi, May, I'm like, let me out! Why am I calling you? So, what else do you do for fun? Um, I love to read. Uh, read a lot of memoirs, true stories. Oh yeah? Who do you read about? Lately I've been reading a lot about comedians. Um, Don Rickles. Uh, I just finished his book. I'm reading a little bit about, from Lewis Black. Pretty much anything I get my hands on. I love reading um, Jim Norton stuff because it's kind of sick and twisted. Yeah. I'm reading uh, Last Words by uh, George Carlin. Sweet. You need to borrow it, don't you? Um, as soon as I get out the book I'm reading now, that'd be cool. Okay. <laughs> so going back to this uh, addiction treatment stuff, how did you get into that? How did I get into addiction treatment? I was kind of drifting. Didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And I just, I always wanted to help people. Mostly because growing up, I had my experiences with drugs. Um, a lot of my friends were on drugs. A lot of them didn't get clean. So I saw where, where it took them, and I wanted to try and give back a little bit. So you were just walking along one day, and you stopped in the middle of the road and said, I have to do comedy. Actually, I got into stand-up comedy shortly after... My ex-fiance broke up with me over a text message. Oh, <laughs> what? Yes. What did she say? You're turning red. I know, uh, audience out there, you can't see this, but he's just turned all co different colors, like beet red. He, of. or she, um... He? <laughs> oh, she. Are you sure? Because you just said he. She, she. It was she. definitely a chick. Um, we got engaged, and... She actually, like a couple days after we got engaged, it was a very short engagement, we were planning the wedding and everything, and then out of nowhere she sends me this text message and is like, I can't do this, it's over, I'm done. And that was kind of like the end of the discussion, there was no, no talking about it, nothing, it was just over. Did she keep the ring? No. Oh, see there, that's good. But what can you do with the ring? You can't take it back and get your money back. And well, I got my money back. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you must have just bought it. No, no. Um, fortunately, the store that I that I was getting the ring from was cool about it, and they they took it back since I just got it. I see. That's kind of sad. So, who are your favorite comedians? Favorite comedians would have to be uh, Louis C.K., um, Jim Norton. Um, I know Jim Norton. He's twisted. He is twisted. He is twisted. And right now I'm really into um, Mike DiStefano, which a lot of people probably doesn't don't know who that is, unless they watched Last Comic Standing last year. Well, they can look it up. They can look it up. He's amazing. Who Who's amazing? Mike Di Stefano. <laughs> See, you have to say it a couple times so that they know who That's to look That's right. At. Mike D. Mike D. Now, you don't strike me as a heavily religious person, but we were talking earlier, and you were telling me how you used to be teaching Sunday school, too. I taught Sunday school. I'm not the only twisted fuck out there teaching Sunday school. 
And I did an internship in youth ministry. I used to preach to kids. And now they don't want me doing that anymore. Probably because they don't want me teaching the kids what I have to teach them now. Ah, you went out in the world and you learned something, Yehuda says. Yes, I became a man whore. But you're not a man whore anymore, right? No. No, I got a girlfriend now, so I'm good. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're serious or not. <laughs> totally serious. I'm a one-woman guy. Okay, that's good. So, uh, you grew up in Seabeck. I did. What's in Seabeck? Nothing. Where is Seabeck? Seabeck is on Hood Canal, just outside of Silverdale, Bremerton area. Mm -hmm. And you're 33 years old? I am 33 years old. And you started comedy when? Almost exactly a year ago. Next month will be a year. Okay, so what was it that made you say, I have to start comedy? You didn't answer. You told me that you started it right after your ex-fiance took a hike. Well, or a text, if you will. A text. She took a text. She took a text. Sounds like she took a dump in the toilet or something. She did. She did a lot of things. Um, well, what it was is after the uh, after the my fiance broke up with me, I started going to comedy shows as a way to try and laugh, forget about stuff. And after watching a couple stand-up shows, I was like, you know, I could probably do this. So I, I talked to some people, and I started writing some stuff, and I thought about it for a couple of months, finally got enough guts to get on stage, and I haven't been able to stop since. So it's kind of like an addiction. It is. It's a total adrenaline adrenaline rush for me. That's awesome. So you just, where are you doing comedy at? Right now I'm doing comedy anywhere I can. Nick's show I've got is actually in... A small town called Chimicum at the high school auditorium. It's a fundraiser for the Pregnancy and Family Resource Services of Jefferson County. Wow, that sounds kind of important. It is. They provide diapers, formula, clothing, toys, pretty much anything a person with a newborn would need. Oh, well, I was thinking it was like the other direction because I came from a small town, Montesano, and there was not a whole lot to do on Saturday night, so I would think that, you know, pregnancy and family recreation type things, resources, would be trying to find something for a teenager to do on Saturday night, besides... Besides sex? Besides sex. Um, well, in Chimicum, the only thing to do in Chimicum on Saturday night is sex and meth. Yikes. That's a, not a, whole lot not going a lot on of there. choices there. Not really. You can go to Port Townsend. And buy weed. But that's about it. <laughs> that's better? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> wow. Drug and alcohol counselor says, stay away from yes, meth and, yes. and, uh, and weed. Just stay out of Jefferson County and you'll be doing a lot better. Well, you know, we didn't really have a lot to do. I remember when I was in high school and I would get this rock hitting my window and I lived on the second floor. And um, I'd climb out the special ladder my parents had given me to climb down the side of the house. In case of a fire, yeah. In case of a fire, yep. Crawl right past their window and end up driving out in the middle of the boonies where there was a crick. Any old crick would do. And they would all get drunk 
and I would do things like, well, they would try to fish in like one foot of water, and so then I'd drop little rocks in there like there was fish trying to leap and, and get... <laughs> so <laughs> I used to torture them a lot, and then I would bring them all back to my house and put blankets over all of them on the floor. My mom would come out in the morning and make a list of everybody who was on her floor and then call all their parents. Wow. Yep. I'm glad I never woke up on your floor. Uh, you're kind of young for that. <laughs> you would have been, let's see, I was 16, you would have been 9. If you would have woken up on my floor, there would have been serious issues. Yeah, my parents would have wondered what the hell I was doing in Montesano. Well, yeah, <laughs> how'd you get to Montesano? <laughs> Crazy. So now that you're doing comedy, what what are you doing? How is it working out for you? It's starting to work out pretty good, actually. It was kind of slow. Um, now I'm starting to kind of get the hang of the networking thing. And what do you just mean networking thing? Networking thing. Uh, talking to other comics, talking to people who book rooms, finding out who, you know, who's going to, who's going to be there, who's going to help me out and who's kind of in it for their own gain, I guess you could say. And there's some really cool people out there. I won't name names, but there's some cool people out there that have helped me out. Well, you can name some names of people that you thought were cool. That's totally kosher. Just don't name the, the don't bad name ones. Don't name the bad ones. I'd say probably the, the probably the coolest people lately have been um, Susan Jones, Kermit Apio, you. You've helped Aww, me out. thank you. Um, Steve Strout with Olympic Peninsula Comedy has helped me out a bit. That's awesome. I, it really is kind of a tight-knit little organization. It's more like a big family with their own little feuds and everything like that. Have yes. Have you managed um, to get into any of those? No, I'm kind of cool with everybody. I try not to get in, involved in, in any any of the turmoil, the feuds. How's the joke writing going? It's... Take us how you write through... Take us through how you write a joke. How I write a joke. Um, usually I'll, I'll sit down, something will, will inspire me. I'll, I'll come up with an idea, a premise, and go, okay, I want to do something with this. So I usually come up with... With, you know, the premise, you know, get set up, kind of a twist, you know, with a punchline. And then I start talking to my other comic friends and go, okay, what do you think of this? And start bouncing ideas off people. Yes, you do that by IM and, and text message and Facebook, right? I do. So, unfortunately, I get Facebook updates, and when he's writing a joke, I get all of those texts. So he's been working on something about uh, Chantex. Chantex. Yes. Sounds like some sort of gum. No, it's, it helps you quit smoking, takes the craving away. Which would mean something to me if I smoked. Very true. So is uh, a smoking an addiction or? Oh, smoking is, yeah, it's an addiction. Quitting smoking cigarettes probably is harder than quitting heroin. Really? So do you do that kind of counseling too? Some. Some. Most people who smoke don't want to quit. So if you had a choice, are you going to build up your business or are you going to do comedy? Comedy. That That's where your heart's leading you? That's where my heart's leading me. That's where I find most of my, my joy in life is, is on stage. But you're going to still build up your business during the day? Oh, yeah. 
So I gotta pay the bills. <laughs> so again, the name of your business is South County Addiction Treatment Services. Yep, in Bre in Brennan, Washington. In Brennan, what the hell is Brennan? It's out on Hood Canal. Why do you have all these places? Nobody knows where the hell they are. All right, and your next gig is on January twenty eighth for pregnancy and family resources for Jefferson County. Can you tell us where that is again? That's in Chimicum, uh, just right outside Port Townsend. How would they find out about that? They could go on my Facebook, which I cannot remember how to get to my Facebook. Don K. D-O-N-K-A-Y-E. Yeah. And I have everything listed on there. If you befriend me, if you shoot me a message, I can give you directions how to get there. That'd be cool. So is it a clean show? Actually, it is a clean show. Really? It's a clean show, which is... Um, Always interesting. Who else is going to be in the show? Jen Seaman is our feature, and then Art Krug is coming up from Portland, the headline. Excellent. Sounds like a good show. Well, I think that's about all for today, so we're going to sign off and actually go and see a show at the Comedy Underground. We hope you all are having a good time out there. This has been TK Kasnick for the Northwest Convergence Zone. Friend me on Facebook. Bye. All right. Well, Double D... It's been a great show. It's been interesting, huh? It's, it's been kinda, interesting it's all by empty myself. empty in here. Yeah, it's like there's nobody here. <laughs> well, we miss... And I actually have to say something. That's well, we thing. miss all those guys, but, uh, you know, everybody needs a week off here and there. And uh, thanks for being a trooper. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. And uh, I don't sound as good as Foxy. Nobody does. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to seeing you on Thursday. That's going to be a blast. And everybody, remember, tune in all, uh, all week long on NWCZ Radio. Every night we have something going on. Want to pay particular attention to Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. The Northwest Metal Scene kicks off with your host, Chance Pittenger. And I think a lot of eyes are, uh, and ears are pointing towards that one. And so want to thank you all for being there. This is the Northwest Convergence Zone. Remember, next week we'll be back in our... Full mode. We have. I will have our entire staff here, and we also have guests Louis G from Louis G's Pizza, Ravens Rant, the band, uh, also the Sins, the Warm Hardies, in repose, all kind of things going on. We appreciate you being out there. We love being here, and thank you so much. We're the Northwest Convergence Zone, where all things come together. This has been a production of the Northwest Convergence Zone. Email us at nwconvergencezone at gmail.com.